All righty. Good afternoon, everybody. Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast. Uh, I hope you all were listening. Uh, we've been uh, going through each and every team in the NFL. We did the AFC team capsules one by one, division by division. Uh, completed that last week. And uh, as promised, Wiz and I said we'd come back with the NFC uh, this week. And that's where we are. Dallas Cowboy time as we open up the NFC East coverage. Wiz, how are you doing this week? Yeah, doing well. It's getting uh, getting closer and closer. Uh, almost in the middle of July now, and uh, yeah, we're gonna go over the NFC, and then uh, we're gonna do more specific content uh, after that, and start doing position rankings and uh, other things that will definitely help those that are listening. Yeah, look, we're two weeks away, be pretty much from the first teams uh, starting out their camps. I think the first couple of teams are the teams that are playing in the in the Hall of Fame game. Uh, almost everybody will will report by the last, uh, I think it's July 29th or July 30th. So yeah, we're really getting into the nitty gritty and uh, a much different feeling than, than we had last year. Last year was a challenging year for sure on all fronts. I think particularly when it came to uh, if you were a new coach or uh, uh, players that were on new teams, and uh, and of course, for, for if you were a rookie last year, you, you were definitely feeling the, the effects of of COVID. And you know, look, we're going to have stadiums, we're going to have people in the stadiums. It's it's refreshing to see, and you know, life is is getting back to normal, and hopefully, we continue on that path. So, so let's kick it off here, Dallas Cowboys, NFC East, and you know, I guess on paper, was. Now, granted, on on the defensive side of the ball, we can have a lot of debate, especially in this division where there are there are definitely better divisions, better defenses. But from an offensive perspective, you look at the Dallas Cowboy offense, and on paper, it looks like it's going to be the most formidable offense here in the division. Uh, now, look, they had a situation last year where they had starting quarterback. Injuries to that player, their offensive line, three-fifths of the offensive line was taken out last year. So you combine those two factors, and it definitely had some impact. Despite that fact, actually, the Cowboys ended up you know, somewhere in the middle of the pack as an offense in the NFL. But Dak Prescott was on his way to kind of record-breaking stuff. And I don't, I don't, even though they drafted Mika Parsons with their first draft pick, I don't necessarily think there's enough that happened here on the defensive side of the football. Mike McCarthy came in last year, having not coached uh, in a couple of years after his tenure with the Green Bay Packers, comes into Dallas, and you know he gets confronted with a lot of challenging situations, and particularly at the quarterback spot when you lose a player like Prescott who was off to an unbelievable start. Like we saw in a number of leagues, if you had Dak Prescott, he was carrying teams. The numbers he was putting up, the Cowboy defense wasn't stopping anybody. And with all the talent that he had around him, Dak and the Cowboys were off and running on the offensive side of the football. So I guess I ask you is, you know, the fact that he's coming back from a relatively severe injury, uh, it's, uh, by all accounts, it sounds like he's actually ahead of schedule. And, you know, this defense hasn't changed a heck of a lot. So are you in the camp that, that Dak Prescott can kind of pick up where he left off at the, at the time where he got injured last year? Yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a good question. Uh, he's certainly a quarterback one in all formats. Uh, he's not going to be one of the top probably two quarterbacks taken, and he's certainly not going to be at the bottom of the top 12. So he's somewhere in, you know, the three – to seven or eight range, the, the overall value for Dak Prescott, in my opinion, is going to be whether he's still going to be aggressive using his legs. 
um, when they get down to the goal line, is he still going to make those zone reads where he's going to actually run the ball in if the defense gives him that? Uh, will he have a handful of rushing touchdowns? That can really kind of make the difference from a fantasy perspective, whether he's the third or fourth overall fantasy quarterback to like seven or eight. So when an injury like that happens, I'm always a little dubious if the player is still going to have the same aggressiveness that he had prior to it. It's kind of a wait-and-see approach. But from throwing the ball and passing yards and those skilled players he has around him, there's a lot to love about Dak Prescott. So I'm going to have him, you know, ranked inside my top seven or eight. It's just, you know, how close to that number one spot. And, you know, do you take him after the, you know, Holmes and Josh Allen? Is he the next guy to go? Do you rank a few guys ahead of him? Of course, a lot of that also depends on what Aaron Rodgers is doing uh, come, you know, September. So I am interested in what you think about his aggressiveness and if you agree if that could be the difference of, you know, when he should be taken. Yeah, and I think the one thing with Prescott is not necessarily how many yards he runs for. I think it's more from the perspective of, of, of rushing, rushing touchdowns because he does uh, enable the Cowboys to use that luxury, particularly in the red zone. Uh, but he he will take off and run at times, and you know the, I, I do think you make a good point that that you may see him be a little a little bit more reserved, uh, and the Cowboys actually make sure that he is a little bit more protective of, of of that situation. But you know you look at the Cowboys, you combine a number of different factors here. The Cowboys last year gave up the most points in their franchise history. 473 points. Uh, and a lot of that contributed to the fact that the Cowboys last year actually they ran the most plays of any team in the NFL. Now, Prescott played, what, four and a half games? But no team ran more than more offensive plays than the Cowboys ran last year. And then you go back two years ago, and the Cowboys were the, I think, the second-leading yard yard gainers uh, of all offenses in the NFL. So there's a lot to like there. I kind of agree with you that they may take a step back in terms of his aggressiveness, though. You know, it's very hard to do that instinctively when a player has that that kind of uh, way about him. And I think Prescott does have that way about him. To kind of strip that away is is a bit of a challenge. So, you know, I certainly will take and keep a very close eye on it. But I think Dak Prescott is right behind those first couple of guys. And I do think with the lousy defense that I still believe is going to be here in Dallas with the talent that's around him, that Prescott, you're talking about a top five quarterback here in, in, in almost any league that you're playing. Yeah, and, uh, and I would agree with, I would agree with all that. And, uh, <clears throat> well, hopefully he'll, you know, come out and, uh, and be the same aggressive, uh, you know, player that, that he was before the injury and <clears throat> he got paid a lot of money. So uh, hopefully he's going to, you know, bring the Cowboys certainly the division. And then, you know, if the Cowboy fans, you know, actually win a playoff game or two because, um, you know, they, they have a tremendous amount of skill on offense, which kind of segues into the running back situation. We have Ezekiel Elliott, who did not look good last year at any point. He didn't look in plain shape. He didn't look like he had that same quickness, uh, decision-making, Tony Pollard, when he got in there, looked like he had much livelier legs. So, while Ezekiel Elliott, you know, still is a running back one, I think the emergence of Pollard makes it a little tricky. I think you want to have Pollard, ideally, if you draft Elliott, because 
you know, the offense is terrific. They're going to be in the red zone often, and he's shown he can catch the ball, run the ball, and he he's a very good player in his own right. So, Elliott, I still have as a running back one, but you know, how do you feel about you know with the emergence of Pollard and the way he looked last year? Does it make it a little trickier in the in the event you know in the fact that if you draft Elliott? you kind of really got to try and go get Pollard as well. I didn't like the body language around Ezekiel Elliott last year. And granted, a lot happens. You know, I feel at times he looks a little bit kind of like in a, like he's like he's out of it when he's on the football field. Now, this offensive line was dealt a lot of blows last year. Zach Martin, Lael Collins, Tyron Smith, they all spent time away from the game last year uh, due to injuries. Uh, and this is a line that in the past has been known as one of the better lines uh, in the NFL. I would say if we ask most people in the NFL, right, most people with football knowledge right now, they probably still feel this is kind of like a top 10 offensive line. But last year, that was not the case. And I think a big impact on Elliott, you look at Elliott's yards per carry over the early part of his career, somewhere between four and a half and five yards per carry last year it drops down to four and I don't know if he's kind of got beaten down by what happened around him he let things kind of get to him or is this a player in decline I think if you're drafting like you've said if you're drafting Ezekiel Elliott uh, the fact of the matter is uh, when Pollard got in there he definitely showed a different burst he's a different type of player uh, that's that's another thing he is a different type of player now, Elliot can still catch the football. We know that. And I think, you know, I don't know if the impact of what happened around him last year was that big a factor on Elliot, or are we seeing that decline that happens a lot of times with running back? Now, Elliot's only 26. I think he'll be 27 this year. So it sounds like it would be a tad early. I know he's been a heavily used player. I think there is some risk in drafting the player, given what we described and given the player that is behind him, because Pollard adds a different dimension here. Uh, but Elliott, no doubt about it, if he's on top of his game and his offense is on top of the game, uh, you know, Elliott's going to catch the ball, he's going to run for touchdowns, and he's going to be an effective weapon here. So I think you are taking some chances here, but I do think Elliott is still going to get drafted kind of as a top seven running back in, in the NFL for fantasy purposes. Yeah, also another thing, aside from the fact that he looked sluggish, didn't look like he had his quickness, didn't look like he was in playing shape. I don't know where this came from, but he had fumbling issues last year as well with ball security um, in, in some key spots at crucial times in, in key games. Um, very unusual. Uh, so, you know, I, there's all reports that he's in tremendous shape and he looks a lot quicker and he's back to the old Ezekiel Elliott. You know, that's a lot of lip service a lot of times from the organization and, and, and people around the team. So we'll have to wait and see, but I'll tell you one thing, Pollard is a guy that's that's waiting in the wings, and uh, he just looks like the type of player that if he gets his chance, uh, he's not going to look back. Yeah, and the, the one thing I would point out about Elliott, and statistics don't lie, his rookie year, he averaged 109 yards rushing per game in his rookie year. Every single year since Ezekiel Elliott has been in the NFL, that number has moved lower, and last year it was down to 65 yards a game. It's hard to not notice that decline and not have some concerns around the player despite the reputation that follows him around. No, I think that's, yeah, I think that's, 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 that's right on. And uh, I think it just, there, there were a lot of things, uh, you know, looking at it that, 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 you know, a little bit disturbing, um, about what you know took place last year, um, it just it's just something that I think you have to you have to keep your eye on because uh, 
you know, there's a lot. You know, last year was last year, but there, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, there's a lot of pressure on the Cowboys this year. Uh, you know, a lot of people are expecting them with the, with the Dak Prescott contract that they're gonna, you know, do the more than just win a mediocre division. That they're gonna, you know, make some noise in the playoffs as well. And if they do, it's probably gonna be led by this terrific trio of receivers that they have with Amari Cooper, Ceedee Lamb. And Michael Gallup, and we've talked about teams that have these receivers that probably none of them are fantasy football starters. And I look at the Cowboys completely opposite. I think all three of these receivers are fantasy football starters. I think Amari Cooper and T.D. Lamb are wide receiver two. And Michael Gallup is somewhere between a wide receiver three and a flex player. But all three of these guys week to week with the Cowboys throwing the ball all over the place are, you know, can 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 have – big weeks and I think there's enough offense where uh, there'll be weeks where a few of them um, have a 100 yards receiving and maybe six or seven catches as well so how do you see it with these receivers do you see it kind of the way that I do that this is one of the teams where all three receivers uh, could be starters on your fantasy football team so um, immense talent right uh, immense talent all three of these players now we knew Gallup would take a step back of the three players when they found that cd lamb dropped into their lap in 2020 which was the case during the nfl draft and and lamb had a tremendous year he was the second top producer amongst the three players last year of the receivers but Gallup was no slouch either he still had 850 yards receiving and caught over 50 balls so i i like the way you describe it i guess the one concern that i have coming into the season is there wasn't a, a surgical procedure done on Amari Cooper in the offseason. He's been slow to get back on the field, so I think that's one thing that should be watched uh, if it kind of nags at him. I think the other thing is when we look at what Prescott did to start the season when he played four and a half games with this group, there was a distinct difference in targets versus between uh, the way they were distributed between the three players. I think in, the, in, the, in those four and a half games, Amari Cooper had 49 targets. The other two guys had 28 and 27, respectively. Uh, Touchdown-wise, all three had the same amount of touchdowns last year. They all had five. But, you know, it's very, very tricky when you look at it. I think they're all very talented. We've talked a lot on, on our podcast about Amari, Amari Cooper's production at home versus on the road. I think that has a lot to do with playing on artificial surface when he's, when he's home, quite frankly. He's a faster player when, that, when it comes down to it, as are most players. Uh, but, you know, there are some people, I feel, out there that, that this could be a changing of the guard this year where CeeDee Lamb starts to rise or equal production that Amari Cooper had. So I think something to watch. I think most people do feel that, Gallup is going to kind of be the third wheel here, but regardless. But I think all three of these receivers do have fantasy value. But I think I will be watching very closely the injury, like I said, to to Amari Cooper, and you know, the, do we see the continued evolution of, of Ceedee Lamb evolving into the number one pass catcher on this team? And I think some people do feel that. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not quite ready to anoint him that just yet. Yeah, I think the thing that would hold any of those guys back from being like a wide receiver one or a fantasy football wide receiver superstar, quite frankly, is each other. Um, there's a lot of good players on the field. You know, Elliott and Pollard both catch the ball. All three of those receivers are good. Um, Blake Jarwin is a guy that, you know, I was high on going into last season. He had that injury. And, you know, when you look at Dalton, the stats for Dalton Schultz last year, he was 63 catches for six over 600 yards, and he is not even close in terms of athletic ability and speed and, and receiving ability of Blake Jarwin. So 
those numbers can be even higher. So there's a lot to like about this this Cowboy offense. And, you know, I just think Blake Jarwin is one of these tight ends that I would put under the label and categories as interesting. Um, Is he a tight end one? No, he's not a tight end one. But he's, he's one of these guys that I think can surprise people if he's recovered from that injury in that offense. He can be the type of guy that can help people streaming tight ends or if you draft the second tight end and your first guy gets hurt, gets hurt during the season, I think he's a fine plug-and-play tight end as well. So I, I'm really keeping an eye on, on the health of Blake Jarwin because I, I think that – he can outperform where uh, a lot of people have him going in, in terms of uh, the tight end position this year. Yeah, so, I mean, uh, you know, of course, Jarwin is recovering from an injury, and that that's always something that you have to keep in the back of your mind. I think expectations last year coming into the year were that Jarwin was going to be an integral part of the offense. And so him going down in, in week one uh, was certainly not, uh, not a happy thing for, for fantasy owners. I think the one thing you have to remember in this offense, so despite the fact that Mike McCarthy came in as a, as a new coach, the offensive system essentially stayed the same because Kellen Moore was still the offensive coordinator. And I think historically, when we look at the Cowboys and we look uh, particularly the Jason Witten years uh, and Jason Garrett's offense, and I think, you know, when you look at when you look at a Kellen Moore, you know, he comes from that kind of line of thinking in that tree. And this is a this is an offense that utilizes the tight end. And even though Jarwin went down last year, to your point, Dalton Schultz remained a very important ingredient in this offense. So watching how DePlay comes back from the injury uh, will certainly be significant. And I think the fact that you mentioned he'll probably be outside the top 10 tight ends taken. But at the end of the year, he might produce at a much different level. So I, I think it's a tight end that's got some uh, nice nice risk reward attached to him. Uh, and of course, like I said, a very big part of what the Dallas Cowboys look to do on offense. I, and Wiz, I just want to mention one other thing. And, and, and I guess maybe this is why people are thinking that this is going back to the receiver. So it, once, once Dak Prescott was gone last year, Actually, Lamb was the top producer in terms of yards in this Cowboy offense. So I guess what I'd ask you is, do you think that's part of his growing up quickly as a rookie or the fact that Prescott didn't have kind of his number one number one guy? You know, I, that's, I think that's part of the reason why people are thinking that might be a much closer match in terms of production between Cooper and Lamb because of the way uh, CeeDee Lamb finished the season last year. Yeah, I just think, you know, I just think that CeeDee Lamb playing in that slot is going to be more consistent. But I think, you know, Amari Cooper will do what Amari Cooper does. You know, he'll have those games where he's three for 27, and then he'll have those games where he's eight for 172 and two touchdowns. While, while I think CeeDee you know, Lamb uh, will kind of be like, Tyler Boyd um, to the Cincinnati Bengals receivers and be a little more consistent and get better and better and better. So I understand it, uh, but it's tough for me to imagine like any of those guys just being wide receiver one because of the ability and the skill of the other players are on the field with them. 
Yeah, yeah, very, very, very good points. And, and uh, you know, of course, moving on to defense and special teams, uh, you know, we've talked about it already. This is not a good defense. Uh, we know what they've added in the offseason. They still need a lot of help in the secondary. I think this is a defense that you're not touching with a 10-foot pole by fantasy standards. And on the flip side, they're kicker. And we were very happy that or we thought that the opportunity uh, for a player like Greg Zerloin kicking in, indoors for the Dallas Cowboys. We know Mike McCarthy had a history with Mason Crosby of using him from long yardage and all that all that came into play plus you in the, in the second half of the season yeah, we especially once Dak Prescott went uh, a less efficient offense and it led to a really good year for uh, for Zerline as a kicker and you know probably a guy that I think is a surefire top 10 kicker coming into your fantasy season. Uh, Zerline had an interesting year though last year in the sense that he's known for maybe not being you know that accurate but of course, having the nickname Legatron, but yet he was 13 for 13 from 30 to 39, 12 for 13 from 40 to 49, and only three for nine from 50 plus. So that was a lot. He's got a big leg, and he's in a great offense, and he can make the long ones, and he's on a team that the coach will send him out there for long ones. So I agree that um, he certainly should be drafted as a top 12 kicker in all formats. And I'm sure he'll improve on that, uh, you know, 30% make from 50 plus. As far as the Cowboys defense is concerned, I wouldn't draft the Cowboys defense if they told me they were moving from the NFC East to the SEC in college football. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, look, they, and I know they did make a change at defense coordinator Dan Quinn, who did not have a successful run uh, as the Atlanta uh, Falcons head coach, but in the past was a very good uh, defensive coordinator uh, last with the, with the Seattle Seahawks. So I think there'll be some good changes, and I, I think Mika Parsons will be an important part of what they do, but there's still a lot of pieces that are missing from that, from that defense. You got. It. I think we're on next to your beloved New York Football Giants. Are we yeah, not? Yeah, there's a there's a lot to talk about there. There's a lot to talk about that. But that's where we are. New York Giants, the next Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and SoundCloud. Make sure you're subscribing. These will be dropping in your emails uh, anytime that uh, that we put them out, and we've been dripping them out day by day. But yes, next to Giants, Wiz. Thanks very much, and talk to you in a bit. You got it. <laughs>